0: Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, 3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson, also covering for Pat Miller today on News Talk 1190 WoW 1075 FM. Again, thank you to the Fort Wayne audience for joining us. If you would like to hang out with us online, you may do that by going to trovo.live slash Casey the host. That's trov dot slash Casey the host. You watch the live stream, hang out with a bunch of like-minded people, chat with everybody, and then, of course, we have content throughout the commercial breaks and everything else. It's a nice behind-the-scenes experience for all of you. All right, so our our filling in on what was a bit last-minute today. So for those of you in the Fort Wayne audience, just understand that my first couple of stories here are going to be specifically about St. Joseph County in our area. However, they have broader appeal to your communities as well. It's not not even just your community, but the state of Indiana, uh, for those of you who are in Michigan, and for those of you who are listening all around the country and the world online. So this is, again, it just understand that while they're specific to our local area here down in Michigan, th- this encompasses an issue that you're all dealing with. So the county commissioners in St. Joseph County have sent a letter slamming the health officer over the mask mandate that has just been extended. This is at realnewsmichiana.com. Clifton French has got the story published today. Two St. Joseph County commissioners slammed the county health officer, Dr. Robert Einertz, uh, in a scathing letter regarding his latest public health order. Real News Michiana obtained the letter through a public records request on Wednesday. It is dated April 6th. The letter referring to Public Health Order 12021. Claims Dr. Einters went against an agreement with the mayors of South Bend and Mishawaka and the president of the county commissioners by making a unilateral decision as an unelected official. The health order extends a countywide mask mandate until May 27th. Now, here's the thing. We must remember that Dr. Einters recently admitted in court that he didn't have the authority to mandate masks anyway. Remember, he was sued. They went to court, and there was, to my knowledge, there was two news outfits in in this area that even covered it. This show being one of them, Real News of Michigan being the primary source. Uh, pretty much everybody else ignored it. So th- he got sued. He admitted in court. He didn't have the authority to mandate masks anyway. Of course, now he's doing, I'm sure that there's some legalese and some roundabout way of being able to do this that isn't the same violation as what he admitted to in court just a few weeks back. So anyway, here's the uh, the letter. I don't need to read the public health order. Everybody already knows that this, this happened. So again, mask mandate in St. Joseph County extended to May 27th. Uh, last week, we told you that Elkhart was going to extend it. That became official uh, on Monday. So Elkhart has extended theirs as well. Those are the two big counties here for those of you in Fort Wayne. It is troubling and disconcerting that you unilaterally decided to act contrary to the agreement that was reached between you and the local officials. Well, this is par for the course for him. Dr. Einers has behaved unilaterally Um, And again, without any legal authority, which he's admitted to in court several times. It is also disappointing that you acted without formally consulting the working group of elected officials to explain why you chose to disregard the input that you asked for, received, and agreed with. Now, the letters are signed by Commissioners Derek Dieter and Deb Fleming, both Republican. Additionally, you failed to engage your board collectively in this decision. The county commissioners work hard to make sure that they appoint qualified members to the board. It is our understanding that you did not consult all your board members prior to making your decision. Well, why would he? Some of those members don't want him to extend the mandate, so why would he consult them? The board, as your governing body, would have been, should have been consulted. The letter also continues, it is time for the people to have control in this matter and not be dictated to by your unilateral actions. Uh, Real News Michiana reached out to Dr. Einders. Uh, they said he was out of the office. They promised. They super pinky swear that he would get back to them. But we also, you know, we, we have to, again, you have to remember that when he went through with all of this before, he got sued and he admitted in court he didn't have the authority to do it. And so what is he doing now again? Not consulting with with his board okay just bypassing all of them not adhering to the agreements that he's had with a republican mayor in mishawaka a democratic mayor in in south bend and he's disregarding the commissioners as well he's just doing everything that he wants to do now we talked about this earlier and i uploaded the uh the podcast for this because dr einers uh, just the other day he said that the science makes it clearly supports extending the mask mandate. And I completely destroyed that. I've been destroying that for a very long time. The science does not support that. In fact, the science says the exact opposite. But unfortunately, we've got a lot of lazy people out there who just refuse to look at the data, refuse to look at the peer-reviewed research, refuse to look back at the peer-reviewed research going back to even 2009, which we have provided for you on the show. None of it supports Dr. Iners' position. None of it. And then beyond that, We're at a point where if you're over the age of 30 years old, you can get the vaccine in this area now, okay? Now, Michigan side's a little bit different, Indiana side. If you're over 30, you can get the vaccine now. Not saying you should, not saying you shouldn't. That's your decision. You should be able to make that. Oh, unless, of course, you're a student at a certain university. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. As I've told you before, I've been telling you for the better part of this past year, be prepared for them to require you to get it to be able to go back to your normal life. We already played audio just the other day of Dr. Leanna Wen, who is the the health expert that they use at CNN, used to be the head of Planned Parenthood for like two months before they fired her. Um, She's out there saying that no state should reopen. And in fact... You shouldn't be allowed to have your freedoms back unless you get the vaccine. So states should, and I'm quoting her now, states should dangle your freedoms like a carrot for you to get the vaccine. And if you don't get the vaccine, you don't get your freedoms. That's that's her suggestion on It's Not News at CNN, the conspiracy news network. That was her suggestion. And she's not alone. We have been over many public health officials who have said very similar claims. Now, you got Governor Holcomb running around like a conspiracy theorist himself. Uh, Just the, uh, was it yesterday, maybe the day before he said, I don't really care what the non-believers, there are no non-believers, Governor. There are simply people who believe in the science and then there are people on your side. You're the one that's anti-science here. You're the one that's wrong. You're the one whose health experts have been incorrect the entire time. You're the one way back in early August who declared victory on the virus because your mask mandate and you credited your little mask. It was the only time I ever saw Governor Holcomb excited about anything and he ran around about all of it. And then what happened a couple weeks later? The third surge happened. Why? Because your little mask mandate didn't do diddly squat. But I get it. You don't have any other answers, you don't have any other suggestions so we're just gonna go ahead and keep doing busy work until herd immunity kicks in or the vaccines force herd immunity whichever one comes first and then you'll take credit for everything that happened which is kind of the point of his little press conference uh, yesterday or the day before i don't remember which day it was but this is another example of a local health official who's already admitted in court that he went way past his authority which for those of us in Michigan, we've probably dealt with a lot more than those of you in the Fort Wayne area just because we have Michigan on our border and everything that's happened with Gretchen Whitmer and the Supreme Court uh, ruling that she has violated you know, all sorts of laws in Michigan and her basically just discounting the Supreme Court and doing them anyway, and nothing has happened to her, and the legislature hasn't done a darn thing. The recall efforts magically disappear. Her chief health officer all of a sudden goes away, just up and quits out of the blue one day, and he was paid over a hundred thousand dollars by the governor and he had to sign a non-disclosure agreement promising not to not to tell the public what had been happening and promising not to sue the state of Michigan and not to sue Gretchen Whitmer. I, I still maintain that she tried to diddle him because this has all of the markers of a sexual harassment settlement. but I don't have any actual evidence of that. There's just a bunch of weird stuff that's been going on. But in this area in particular, there's a whole bunch of local officials, politicians, and health officials who have violated the laws of the state in order to unilaterally put in place ineffective, nonsensical policies that are ruining many people's lives and destroying low economies. And we've got a guy who just admitted a few weeks ago in court that he did it illegally and he's doing it again. Now, let's talk about Notre Dame. And again, I know that for those of you in the Fort Wayne audience, you're not necessarily concerned with Notre Dame. Some of you will be, but this is something that I've been telling you about for a long time. I know I'm not alone on this. You're going to have to deal with at all sorts of schools, not just at the collegiate level, but also in the public school level, your elementary school, your, your primary schools. You are going to have to deal with this. Because they're not letting students come back until they get a vaccine. We'll talk about that next on Newstalk 95.3. Michiana's news channel and covering for Pat Miller on Newstalk 1190. Wow, 107.5 FM. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Also covering for Pat Miller on Newstalk 1190. WOWO 107.5 FM. All right, University of Notre Dame. This broke today. Told you to be on the lookout for this. And again, I know those of you in the Fort Wayne audience, Notre Dame's not necessarily the university in your backyard, but... Um, Obviously, a prominent university, people from all over the state of Indiana, all over the country obviously want to go there. But what you're seeing happen at the University of Notre Dame will happen everywhere. I should say almost everywhere. When I say everywhere, I mean like everywhere geographically, not every single school. Uh, So the University of Notre Dame will require all students, undergraduate, graduate and professional returning to campus for the fall 2021 semester to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19, according to the university's executive officers. Uh, So Reverend Jenkins and everybody else signed off on this. They wrote that in a letter that was sent today to the campus community. The university will accommodate documented medical or religious exemptions. So, (laughs) Oh, man. Speaking of of medical ones, one of the things that we do know is you're not supposed to get uh, the vaccines if you're pregnant, particularly the Moderna one. And I'm getting emails from people who have employers that are trying to require their pregnant spouses to get the vaccines or lose their job, even though the official recommendation is to not get it at this point in time until you have the baby. Uh, the safety of the university and local communities is always our highest priority, says Father Jenkins, who <laughs> attended the, the, uh, the COVID outbreak event in Washington, D.C. with the Amy Coney Barrett uh, thing. Requiring students to be vaccinated for COVID-19 is a new and important addition to our health policies, one that we believe will enhance public health at Notre Dame and in our community, while also contributing to our ability to return to a more vibrant campus environment. Keep in mind, this is the school that sent me a mask out of thin air that they didn't seal at all. They just sent me a dirty mask in the mail. On their own, because somebody thought they were a wise guy supposed to be a medical school. Go figure. The announcement comes in advance of the university opening a clinic on Thursday, April 8th, with the Pfizer uh, two-dose vaccine, making it especially easy for current students to meet the vaccine requirement. The vaccine clinic will use the Compton Family Ice Arena and will administer first doses uh, from April 8th through the 15th. It'll be open from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Second doses will be April 29th to May 6th. In their letter, by the way, this story is at 95.3MNC.com. In their letter, the executive officers encouraged students to be vaccinated at the on-campus clinic in the days and weeks ahead. They indicated that officials with the Indiana Department of Health have assured the university that there will be ample supply to fully inoculate the student body and any faculty and staff who have not yet been vaccinated. What was the university... A couple of weeks ago, university required all of the students to get the vaccine, but not faculty. Was it Rutgers? It might it might have been Rutgers. Don't quote me on that, though. The university's leaders also encouraged anyone on campus who has been vaccinated to register their status through an online tool. That's right. You've got a vaccine passport at Notre Dame. You got to register your status over there. Isn't that nice? Isn't that Nice. What's funny is watching all of these people who don't know anything, who think that they're smart, talk about vaccine passports as if they're not a a serious problem. They are a serious problem. And if you don't think that they're a serious problem, it is because, one, well, you just don't have a lot of intellect. Two, the more likely scenario is that you're just ignorant of what the social credit system is and how this is being used and promoted, by the way, in big tech circles as the foundation for a Western social credit system, like what China has. Now you have to understand something, that's not a conspiracy, that's what they're actually saying. We've been talking about it for quite some time now. So you've got these tech executives all over the Western world who are telling you that, yeah, we could use this to establish a social credit system. And if you don't know anything about China's social credit system, you need to read up on it real fast. And we might do a show about it this, uh, this week, maybe next week. We'll see. Uh, I haven't done one on the social credit system in China in a while. And it's important because that's exactly what this thing is all set up to do. It's a westernized version of it. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? University's leaders also encourage anyone on campus who have been vaccinated to register the status of the online tool, and they require enrolled students to be immunized for hepatitis B, meningitis, measles, mumps, etc. So basically their position is, well, we require all these other vaccines, so it really doesn't matter. We can require this one, too. Okie dokie we got more coming up, News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, and covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190, WOWO, 107.5 FM. And good afternoon, thank you for tuning in, News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson, also covering for Pat Miller today on News Talk 1190, WOWO, 107.5 FM. I have, not yet, but at 4 o'clock, I have Tactical Training Royalty joining us on this program. Some of you will know his name, some of you will not. John Farnham from Defense Training International is going to be joining us to talk about a whole slew of topics related to the Second Amendment. And there's, uh, for those of you who are really active in the shooting community, you know how big this is for the rest of you. You are about to hear from the person who trains the people who train the people who train you. It's, um, It's going to be quite educational. I'm looking forward to it. John's a good dude. All right. That's a four o'clock, though. Former Governor Pence has created a conservative political advocacy group. The nonprofit advocacy group will have several Trump administration officials and conservative movement leaders as advisors. Now, there is there's still something that is unsaid about the relationship between Pence and Trump. A lot of people felt that it was very split and divided at the end of, of the Trump administration, um, even with the seemingly that Pence had the nuclear football on January 6th. Here's the thing, though. Neither man has said that. In fact, Trump has specifically said that he's not even considering a run. Now, this is wordplay, but he's not even considering a run without Pence. So they've they've kind of... When they're poked and prodded about it trump mostly has basically said no, i don't have any issues with with pence at all i don't i don't know where that's coming from and there's obviously a lot of people who are upset with trump and well not trump but uh, pence because they thought that pence could have done some things that pence felt he didn't have the constitutional authority to do uh, there was one thing that he could have done regarding wisconsin which i feel he was incorrect in not at least listening to the wisconsin legislature Uh, For those of you who do not know, the Wisconsin Supreme Court basically ruled that, you know, about 200,000 ballots may be invalid in Wisconsin because of voter ID laws there. And the legislature in Wisconsin wrote a letter to Pence and said, hey, can you not can you not um, basically seat the electors from Wisconsin until we can investigate this? And Pence ignored them. Um, Now, again, Pence, I've explained this before. He felt like he didn't have the constitutional authority to do some of the things that people wanted him to do. Uh, I tend to agree with him on the vast majority of those issues. But on the Wisconsin issue, he did have the authority and he chose not to do it. So we've been over that before. I'm just reminding everybody a little bit of a, a, you know, backstory because Wisconsin is still a bit of a mess. And and for those of you who haven't been following Wisconsin, the latest developments is that, you know, we've got election officials now who are are complaining that they were essentially pushed out of the election process. And we now know that democrat activists had keys to the absentee ballot counting rooms two days before the election even happened and that election officials were essentially shut out of those rooms so activists for the democratic party had access to those rooms to those ballots in violation of of state law so there's a whole bunch of things that are still happening in in several other states no it's not going to overturn the election Okay, And every time I mention this, people want to go, well, I mean, they're going to have to overturn it then. No, they won't. They're going to do the same thing that they always do. And what the Nevada election officials have basically said publicly after being confronted with people who used illegal addresses to vote and that sort of thing in Nevada. And is that, well, we don't have a law that allows us to revoke those votes. So there's really nothing we can do. Now, what it can be is it, it can be a springboard for the next midterm election and then of course the next big election um, down the line but it's not you're not going to get a a swap of regime here uh with the exception of of biden either retiring or passing away and kamala taking over so former vice president mike pence said wednesday that he has started a new political advocacy group his most recent move to remain involved in the conservative movement uh, pence created advancing american freedom it doesn't have the ring to the group that I'm going to be starting. So, which is uh, the GSB pack, but you know, it, it's it you know, okay, Advancing American Freedom. All right, it's got yeah, all right. It, it it's just it doesn't have it doesn't have the right ring to it, right? It just uh, for the people on my live stream, you know what I'm talking about. So, he said he aims to defend conservative values and oppose Biden's political agenda. Advancing American Freedom plans to build on the success of the last 4 years by promoting traditional conservative values and promoting the successful policies of the Trump administration that's what Pence said in a statement. Conservatives will not stand idly by as the radical left and the new administration attempt to threaten America's standing as the greatest nation in the world with their destructive policies. So we'll uh we'll see how it's going. Now, nonprofit group uh, has several Trump administration officials. It will have Kellyanne Conway, Larry Kudlow, Russ Vaught, Seema Verma, uh, Andrew Wheeler, Robert Light, Light, Lighthizer, excuse me, I always get him messed up with another guy. I apologize. Uh, David Bernhardt and others. So, I mean, he's bringing an A-list of people into the group. Uh, he also joined the Heritage Foundation here recently. And so I have told you to keep an eye on Pence and his role at the Heritage Foundation because the head of the Heritage Foundation recently just uh, stepped down. So it'll be interesting to see what was what on there. So our former governor is still in the mix, still involved and some people have started to say he's setting himself up for potential presidential run. We'll see. I, I remain convinced that right now his window may very well have been closed just with the way that things happened. And I've told you for a while who I think you should be paying attention to. All right, coming up next, very interesting name might actually be running for governor of California. And I have questions. I know it's California. You don't care about California, but this one I have some questions and I want to have a little fun before we get John Farnham on. So we'll talk about that coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, and covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190 WoW 1075 FM. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in, News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Once again, I am your host, Casey Hendrickson, also covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190 WoW 1075 FM. Friendly reminder if you would like to watch the live stream of this radio show, the video, presentation of it you can go to trovo t-r-o-v-o dot live because it's live streaming uh trovo live slash casey the host and you can go ahead and hang out with us All right, for those who are on the live stream right now that is not a picture of gretchen whitmer that is a picture of caitlin jenner now caitlin jenner is consider. i just wanted to alleviate any confusion caitlin jenner is considering running for governor of california now, <laughs> okay, here's the thing. Jenner is a Republican. And I desperately want to be hired as a campaign consultant for the Democrat opponent. Because I'm not convinced it's Gavin. I, I, I'm not convinced that Gavin Newsom is going to be around. Now, the reason that I desperately want to be the political strategist or, or you know some kind of an advisor to the campaign is, For Jenner's opponent, the reason I want to is I want to be the guy that designs and runs the ads. Where we say that Bruce Jenner underwent a transition to escape being tried for killing somebody in an automobile accident. I want to be that guy because that's what happened. And nobody wants to talk about it because you're not supposed to talk about everything. Bruce Jenner killed somebody and started to get in trouble and magically flipped genders just like that, and nobody said a word about the car accident again. And I'm sorry, that's wrong. Now, of course, this brings up a whole host of questions, too. If you used to be somebody and then you change into another person, can you still be held accountable for the crimes that you committed while you were a different person? I would assume so, but I suppose that question has to be answered at some point, right, in our legal society. But I, I desperately, desperately want to be the person who writes those campaign ads. I really, really do. Jenner, a Republican, is being advised by former Trump campaign consultant and fundraiser Carolyn Wren, according to Axios. Democratic California Governor Gavin Newsom is facing a recall campaign as a result of his handling of COVID-19 pandemic and a bunch of other stuff. Let's just be honest. Here's the thing. California, I tried telling you who that guy was. You didn't listen to me. Nobody ever listens to me. Nobody ever listens to me. And you always regret it. NPR basically apologized to me yesterday for being right i mean it's just jenner has occasionally commented on republican politics since coming out as a transgender in 2016 a ted cruz supporter during the 2016 presidential primaries uh he she it told a group of university of pennsylvania students that she's gotten more flack for being a conservative republican than i have for being trans well that's because you're in the people's republic of california of course um being a republican is what gets you ostracized over there Jenner also joked about serving as Kanye West vice president during the rapper's ill-fated 2020 presidential run, which um, here's the thing, though, and Daily Caller is writing this. Can we just stop for just a second here? Okay. Kanye has a psychological disorder. And when he goes into these these manic episodes, he has no control over his behavior. And that's where these outlandish things kind of happen with him. And anybody who has been around, anybody who has this illness, understands how this plays out. And I just, I, there's a lot of people, oh, Kanye, you make fun of Kanye. And everything. Okay, yes, Kanye does some outlandish things because he's having a psychiatric episode. It is not because Kanye is a piece of garbage. It is not because of anything else. He is literally having a mental episode that cannot be controlled with medication. And people have to start recognizing that and backing away from him. You got to, you got to help him. You you don't you don't indulge him and you also don't attack him because that sends him into a further, uh, well, I should say a more immersive episode. So, and I realize a lot of people don't know this. Okay, I understand that, but this is a this is a a very serious psychological issue, with Kanye West. And a lot of people early on maybe thought that Kanye was having a having some problems before he you know he went all in on on Donald Trump and everything else, but um, it turns out that he he does he's he's got a psychological disorder. He goes through these manic episodes and there's just not his medication doesn't control it. And they've talked about it before. they in it getting the cocktail of medication for this issue right is extremely difficult, and so his are really bad, so they'll last for weeks at a time instead of just days there's most people will deal with it for days his you kind of deal with it for weeks and i'm sure that his status in society doesn't help that because people feed into the mania and unfortunately he can't get out of it this is a this is a real problem uh, and let's not forget too that uh, his are, have, are they officially divorced yet or is she just filed um let's not forget that kim kardashian is a predator who preyed upon him in order to steal from him let's not forget that fact too shall we let's see uh now West is Jenner's former stepson in law because you know Kim Kardashian all that stuff um so Newsom's people were asking me about the Newsom recall petition earlier today they're at 2.1 million signatures uh the March 17th they're at 2.1 million signatures ahead of the March 17th deadline and yeah so they're they're working for uh, certification on that right now so we'll see We'll see how that how that goes. The last time that this happened in California, Gray Davis was removed in 2003. Arnold Schwarzenegger came in. Arnold Schwarzenegger in his first term as governor of California could best be described as this is why I like making fun of Arnold Schwarzenegger when he attacks Trump, because Arnold Schwarzenegger's first term in California was Trump version one. Arnold Schwarzenegger did everything that Trump did, but worse In his first term, remember when Arnold Schwarzenegger used to wear, you know, not wear, but he would have his cigars. He'd be on the news and they'd be like, how come you're not listening to the Democrats in the legislature? And he looked right at the camera and he goes, because they are losers and I don't listen to losers. I don't do a good Arnold impression. I apologize. You remember that? He did that stuff every day. Every single day. Somebody attacks Trump. Trump responds and Arnold's like, that's not very presidential. It's like, shut up. It's like him trying to be an environmentalist right now, driving around with all of his Humvees and stuff. Keep your mouth shut, man. Uh, kids, uh, don't do steroids. So, this is this is interesting stuff to, to watch happen here, but I, I'm hoping it does happen, just because, honestly, this is going to make my life so much easier when it comes to show prep. <laughs> and I desperately want to see, because politics gets evil, I desperately want to see somebody have the courage to do the political ads that highlight that Caitlyn Jenner as Bruce Jenner killed somebody and then magically swapped who they were to avoid trial. I want to make sure that somebody brings that to, their, to the attention of everybody. It's critical. All right, so a few things for you before we got John Farnham coming up. Uh, John Farnham, again, tactical firearms instructor, Trains the people who train the people who train the people who train police and military. I mean, that's that's who this guy is. He's, he's royalty in the tactical training uh, realm. Go to theburningtruth.us. This is my website, theburningtruth.us. You can get to all of my social media there. You can get my podcast there. You can get the daily show prep there. you got to sign up for the free newsletter to get the show prep. I give you the stuff for free, so all I'm asking is that you sign up for the newsletter. I don't harass you with a bunch of stuff, and I don't sell your information to anybody yet. The Chinese haven't made me a big enough offer if that happens, I'll give you a fair warning. But go to theburningtruth.us, sign up for the free newsletter, and uh, check out the website. And of course, join us on trovo.live slash Casey, the host, for live streaming during the radio show. More coming up next. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Also, want to thank uh, the Fort Wayne audience for joining us. I'm covering for Pat Miller today on News Talk 1190 whoa, 1075 FM. Trying to get John Farnham on the line right now. We had an issue with uh, our outbound phone line here at the radio station. So I do apologize about that delay. We'll get him on here hopefully in just a couple of minutes. There is another report out there from Hollywood. And as I've told you before, I know that some of you are like, oh, we don't care about Hollywood celebrities. But look, if you don't pay attention to this, you're going to lose the culture war. You're already losing. You are straight up losing the culture war. So if you want to win the culture war, you need to pay attention to celebrities. You need to pay attention to video games, movies, music. You need to pay attention to this stuff. Now, I've already told you that Joss Whedon, who is a director, um, is a heaping pile of human garbage. And there's a new report out there. Now, I guess technically this is not confirmed yet, but it comes from The Hollywood Reporter that Joss Whedon threatened Gal Gadot's career on the set of Justice League. Now, I don't know how many of you have watched the Snyder cut of of the movie yet. Um, it is, I realize that four hours to sit down and watch a movie is not ideal, but it had to be done. When you watch the four hours, you'll understand why. Basically, Snyder had to completely erase the filth that Joss Whedon put out and correct the timeline and fix the universe and also make it better. Uh, and I think that he did that. So the, the Snyder cut is so much better so much better um than the joss whedon ver- version of of justice league so definitely check it out on hbo if uh, if you have it but the hollywood reporter is alleging that joss whedon threatened gal gadot's career on the set of justice league now this is not the first time that he has done that he has ruined actresses careers in the past and this appears to be yet another example of that behavior. Even though Gal Gadot clearly has more clout in Hollywood than he does, but apparently he still tried to, to threaten the career. So, so we'll we'll see how this all develops and, and everything else. But you have to pay attention. You have to pay attention to this stuff. And I understand, I do. I understand that a lot of people don't think that celebrities are all that important and, and everything else. But this is the culture war. You know, uh, we we play music from conservatives or right-leaning artists that we play that music on the live stream sometimes that, you know, a lot of you, it's music that you typically wouldn't like, but one of the reasons that we do it is you need to understand that there are those out there, Tom McDonald's and others that are fighting the good fight in music. And even if you don't like the genre of music, even if you don't like the way that he looks, the message is good. And they're trying to build a foundation for your kids and your grandkids who will listen to this music to have somebody that is, is, you know, singing about and rapping about and performing about positive things. You know, we had Zuby on the show a while ago. Zuby is a rapper from England and he's the one that identified as a woman to break the women's deadlift record and then went right back to identifying as a man again. And he did it to prove a point. Um, he is one of the nicest people that you're ever going to meet. He's down to earth. He's, he's involved in politics and everything else now. The guy doesn't even cuss. He doesn't even say a single bad word in his music. It's clean music. Um, it's radio friendly. It's family friendly. That's the type of stuff that, you know, there are people out there who are saying, we need to stop talking about doing drugs And being promiscuous and and doing these, you know, gangbanging and all this. We need to stop doing that. So there are those who are fighting the good fight. But it is funny watching people kind of resist that just because they don't like the genre of music. Um, And they they automatically, because of their biases, just assign, you know, some negative opinion to some of these people because of the way they look or the type of music they play. Um, And I've told you before, you know, I will continue to tell you, you need to start paying attention to this stuff. How do you think they get your kids? You know, go back to when some of us were kids and for those of, of you who were a little older, were the parents of my generation, you know, you probably didn't pick up on it, but you know, we had, you know, propaganda thrown in our face constantly. All the animal shows on Saturday mornings, you know, uh, Captain Planet, all of these things, they're all designed to be propaganda to steer us. Now, as you get older, most people wise up and kind of get out of that but it's all designed it's all designed to brainwash your kids and it starts in hollywood then you get music doing it as well then you get comic books that are doing it some of this, there's a the latest captain america attacks jordan peterson for crying out loud don't get me started on the change to captain america to this weird character but all of that stuff is designed to brainwash your kids Change their viewpoints, change the culture. And while a lot of you were like, ah, that stuff's not important, they continued to make progress in that culture war. And guess what? You woke up a couple years ago and you realized, crap, we lost. We lost the culture war. So how are we gonna get it back? And to be honest with you, and I mean this respectfully, because I'm I'm doing this from a, a position of somebody who is no longer young, but no, but not yet old. At one point in time, I was the youngest talk radio host in the country. I wrote articles about it. I was in the trades about it. It was a Drudge about it. It's, it was a whole thing. At one point in time, that was me. There's a whole new generation of those, those young people now. Whereas I was a bit of a fluke to get into this industry at that age. Now there's a ton of people who are even younger than I was. Who are in this industry. And they grew up in this culture war as well. So some of the older generations ignored the culture war altogether. They just completely ignored it. And while it's fine and dandy to talk about, uh, you know, religion and we have to get, you know, the Bible back in school and everything else, that is what I would call a lazy cop-out. It's not good enough and it doesn't fix the problem that we have. There's an element to that in the overall culture war no doubt about it but just saying if we put god back in school or the bible back in school that it's going to fix everything you have to understand when it comes to religious nations the united states is not even near the top of the list there's a whole bunch of countries that are far more religious who have the bible in school who have god in school and i'm talking about christendom i'm not talking about the other the other religions but just christendom because that's primarily what we talk about in this country. And they are all worse off than we are. So that's not the answer. It is a part of the answer. Because having having the strength to kind of go your own way and be willing to, to stand up to this type of stuff is something that can be gained from faith. And we talked about the lead singer of Skillet a couple of weeks ago who finally... Spoke out about who he is as a conservative and fighting against cancel culture, and this is you know, this is the front man for an extremely popular band, who's putting his his band's reputation and careers pretty much on the line. But he did it because he's a Christian. So there is something to be said for that, but it can't be the only answer. You have to fight these little battles in TV, in comic books, in music in video games, in school, in books, and television shows and all. You have to fight those battles. If you don't, even in toys, if you don't, you will continue to lose. More coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And welcome back. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. And again, I'm covering for Pat Miller today on Newstalk 1190. Wow, 107.5 FM. Uh, So I I asked John Farnham to call back at 430 because if I were, first of all, I'm not going to spend two minutes with somebody, especially somebody like him, and then just cut him off and run. Uh, We had some technical issues getting a hold of him earlier. That was on our end, not his. So we're going to have John Farnham on. And again, he's tactical training royalty. Uh, if you are interested in Second Amendment issues and, and firearms and that sort of thing. So we're going to pick his brain for a little bit. So he's going to call back here at 430. So after the news break, we'll have John Farnham on. And uh, he will impart his wisdom upon all of us, including some common questions. And there's a couple of news stories that are out there that I'll ask him about as well. Also, make sure you go to theburningtruth.us. That is my website. You get the blog post, the podcast, the daily show prep, all of that stuff. Uh, I, You know, a lot of people are starting to notice this. And at the risk of bringing up my old stomping grounds, the mayor of North Las Vegas has announced that he is dumping the Democratic Party. He's becoming a Republican. He said the Democratic Party is broken. Now, this is the North Las Vegas mayor. North Las Vegas and Las Vegas are two different cities, uh, but they touch each other. So it's very interesting to, to watch this. I won't go into great detail about it because I know it's not local and you don't really care all that much. But, uh, but yeah. More and more people are switching parties. And there was a report that came out here just the other day, and it was talking about the shift in uh, minority and working class voters to the Republican Party, particularly under Trump. And he made, I think his largest endroad in that was in first time Latino voters. He picked up like the largest chunk of first time Latino voters in in uh, Republican history. So, you know, these are these are things you, you have to pay attention to. You know, there's a lot of trends that are that are happening. And if the Republican Party gets their act together and they start doing things the way that, frankly, a lot of people have been telling them they should be doing things for a long period of time, they're going to be very effective in winning elections. Part of that is taking the advantages that the Trump administration gave you. i have talked about this before. reformed the federal court system democrats got their butts whipped all over the country in the november election they got creamed you can look at you know the runoff races and things like that in the senate okay a couple of races didn't go republicans ways in the senate a lot of races did that weren't supposed to in the house Democrats are expected to increase their seats, and Republicans almost erased their lead altogether. And you've got the situation, obviously, in the White House. But you look everywhere else. Republicans dominated the House races. Republicans dominated state legislatures. Republicans dominated gubernatorial races. Republicans kicked the tar out of Democrats all over the country. And the Democrats know this. They absolutely know this. This is why you've got uh, Democratic Party leadership out there, even though Pelosi won't say it. But you've got Democratic Party leadership within the DNC saying, we've got to do something to repair our, the damaged brand that we have. They know that they have a damaged brand. They, they know that they've been catering to radicals in their base for too long. They know that. The real question is, do they have the, the power to stop that now, or will they have to succumb to the AOC types? Uh, a report also came out about AOC and said that she well it's a study i should say she is the least effective member of congress now i just want you to think about this for just a second alexandria ocasio-cortez has now been rated the least effective member of congress yet she has this celebrity status bestowed upon her by the media right but if you look at the polling And we've talked about this for the past several years. I'm not alone in this. I mean, everybody has. There's polling on who you like in Washington, D.C. and who you don't like in Washington, D.C. And it's not just in your district, right? So these are like global surveys. Republicans obviously don't like her very much. Independents don't like her very much. Democrats don't like her as much as Independents don't like her. Isn't that interesting? And yet, everywhere you go, there's AOC. Like, she's somehow the representative of the modern Democratic Party, even though the Democratic Party pretty much rejects her outright. Pretty interesting stuff. We'll have John Farnham coming up. Again, he's a tactical training master. We're going to talk about uh, some various things with him, pick his brain for a little bit. All of that's coming up next right here on 95.3 MNC and News Talk 1190. wow 107.5 FM. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. And we have to apologize about the delay. We were hoping to have John Farnham on a little bit earlier in the program, but we had some technical difficulties with our phone, and I just was not going to get John on and only spend two minutes with him. John Farnham is joining us right now. John, how are you doing this afternoon, ma'am?
1: Just fine, bud.
0: Well, first of all, thank you for joining us. I appreciate you Making the time. Let's hope that this conversation doesn't have the same problems as my convers my last conversation with with Tommy Teach when I had him on the show. Because apparently, teaching people how to survive a mass shooting is really controversial for YouTube, and they didn't like the video being up there. Can you believe that?
1: Well, that's not surprising. Uh, I, I'm not <laughs> sure YouTube wants anyone to survive, but uh, uh, yeah. but yeah, that's that's not surprising.
0: For people who don't know who you are, John, can you just run through real quickly? Who you are, your company, your resume, just so people have an understanding of who it is I'm talking to right now.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm uh, John Farnham. I'm a deputy sheriff here in Park County, Colorado, and uh, but I spent most of my adult life traveling around the world uh, teaching uh, uh, the art and science of defensive uh, shooting, and I've authored a number of books, and uh, I uh, uh, produce a regular a uh, newsletter because I feel a lecture coming on. I can't help myself, you know, so I publish stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we do all this, particularly this year, we do a lot of classes.
0: Well, and here's the thing. My wife, Vicki, has, you guys have really kind of, pioneer may not be the right word, but I think that, you know, a lot of people would apply this to you. You guys have really pioneered how to train women, how to properly use firearms in a defensive capacity. Kind of talk about that process.
1: My wife, uh, Vicky, is uh, she's more famous than I am. She uh, she has written a book on uh, training women and particularly making uh, or helping male instructors to be effective with female students. Uh, I think you've probably heard me say this before, but I don't think the future of the Second Amendment uh, lies with aging males. Uh, I think we have got to inspire our female colleagues to uh, uh, you, you know be operators with us and uh, get interested in shooting and in teaching uh, uh, survival
0: skills. Now do you have any recommendations on how to get women interested in this because obviously particularly in, in urban areas, you know, women grow up with, oh, guns are bad. I don't want them in the house, that sort of thing. Yeah. They're dangerous. And when a lot of women shoot, oftentimes they don't have that proper instruction and they get scared off, which is, you know, guys <laughs> yeah, laugh they, about yeah. putting a real big <laughs> shotgun in a woman's arms and that sort of thing. But that's, you know, that, that's counter counterintuitive and it's not really effective.
1: Uh, a lot of people listen to the liberal Kool-Aid. I mean, you can't help it. It's it's all over But uh uh... the best uh... thing to do is encourage women to come to class and uh... uh what, when when i have when a woman calls me and and wants to attend a class usually the first thing they ask is will i be the only woman there uh, sometimes they're a little nervous about being the only one with a bunch of men but in most cases that's not true anymore in most cases our classes are uh, pretty well a mixture of both genders and uh... uh... and it goes uh... it goes very well we do run all women's classes, uh, and uh, we do that because there are some women who, who are not comfortable in a mixed class and, and would rather be there with, uh, with just women, and so we're happy to accommodate that also.
0: When women are getting into shooting, because this is a question that I, I get from a lot of guys as well, but particularly women, they're looking at their very first firearm. They don't know where to go, what to get. Um, oftentimes, they're relying on, you know, the opinions of the man in their life. And you know, what is your recommendation for a new female shooter when it comes to buying a firearm, their first firearm?
1: Well, that's a that's a good question. Probably the best thing they could do is uh, uh, forget all this rubbish you see on TV and uh, get your hands on a number of different guns. Uh, we live in America, and you have a lot of choices, uh, well, at least in some places. Uh, you know, when I teach in Africa, uh, uh, those people are tickled to death. They have anything they shoot. Uh, in America, we still have choice, and there's uh, uh, lots of different guns, all with strengths and all with weaknesses. And uh, uh, when a woman goes to a gun retailer, the, what should the first thing you try to do is just get her hands on a lot of different guns. Uh, most any choice she makes is probably acceptable, and, uh, and, then, uh, and then she needs to get with a competent instructor and, and start her instruction. Uh, there's more to this than just learning how to run a machine. Uh, if you can operate a toaster, you can operate most any gun I know of, uh, but there's a whole philosophical overlay that has to go with it. Uh, you have to know uh, something about a criminal justice system. Uh, you have to know, uh, you know, what represents your best course of action. Uh, how to uh, how to avoid uh, encounters that may be harmful. There's a lot of stuff to know. How to communicate with police, and uh, so we may I, not. I would assume that a, in one sitting. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's gonna. T- it's obviously gonna take some time. Let's be honest. Uh, but one of the other things too is you know the caliber of of the the gun that you're gonna get. You know. A lot of people have very strong opinions about that. As oh, a boy. professional instructor, you know what are your recommendations for new shooters? Are there calibers that should be avoided? Are there calibers that should be sought after more than others, particularly for, <laughs> for, for new female shooters?
1: You know, they're all fine. Uh, right now, 9mm, what we call 9x19, is, is king. Uh, that's what most people end up with, and it represents a very good choice. Uh, there are lesser calibers uh, like uh, 380 and uh, down from there, which are a little less powerful but still uh, legitimate choices. And there are more powerful calibers, uh, particularly 40, you know, the 40 Smith and Wesson and the 357 Sig. Uh, these uh, made quite a debut a number of years ago, but uh, most police departments who additionally ad- initially adopted them have now dropped them. Uh, that includes the FBI. Uh, and the reason is they are loud, hard-recoiling, unpleasant guns to shoot. Uh, <laughs> there are some people that relish in that, I suppose. Uh, but uh, most of us, uh, uh, especially beginning shooters, will find it unpleasant. And it's like, it's like eating hot food. It, it shouldn't hurt to eat. Uh, and it shouldn't hurt to shoot. Uh, and if uh, shooting is so unpleasant and painful uh, that you don't want to do it, then you're not going to do it, which means you're not going to practice. I mean, the whole thing has become a moot point. Uh, so I would say 9mm is a good starting point uh, for most people. Uh, that's what I carry, and uh, uh, probably, a, 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 as I say, at least a good place to start.
0: And what about 22? Because that's always the one that kicks up the most, uh, the most debate. What about what about twenty yeah, two his, particularly for particularly for seal carry?
1: Fire. Yeah, you mean a uh, twenty two rimfire? Yes. Yeah, uh, twenty fives, uh are on the very very low end, and uh, I encourage people to get something a little bit more powerful than that. Uh, in my my lectures, I usually advise students that no matter what gun you bring, it's a pathetic pop gun. Uh, there's not much power, and, and no pistol is very powerful. Uh, you give up a lot of that to get the, the convenience of carrying. You know, we don't carry pistols because they're effective. We carry them because they're convenient. Uh, and, uh, and we carry pistols for unexpected threats, it's like, a lot like wearing a seatbelt. Um, the 22 can be effective, but I think, uh, for instance, a 9mm is a good deal more effective, and it really isn't that much more unpleasant to shoot and so I certainly wouldn't start most people off with a 22 Ram fire. Uh, another problem is, of course, uh, the ammunition is relatively cheap because the, uh, the dimensions are not held to the close tolerances as they are for other calibers. And so most 22 caliber pistols are not nearly as reliable as, for instance, a 9mm Glock or M&P or XD or one of the common ones we see in glasses. Uh, so uh, to answer your question, uh, the 22 rimfire probably does not represent a very good choice for most people.
0: John, do you have some time to hang through a commercial break and talk about some other things coming through on the uh, the next segment?
1: You bet, I'm here.
0: All right. All right, we're going to come back with John Farnham, and we'll have that coming up on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, and covering for Pat Miller on Newstalk 1190, WOWO, 107.5 FM. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson here. John Farnham is joining us. Again, tactical firearms instructor. And I know that a lot of you are not necessarily in this world, but this is... This is a very well-established, highly esteemed firearms instructor. He and his wife, uh, Defense Training International is their company. I'll link to all of this in the Daily Show prep. So, John. Thank you. What, is, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making when they come in to take their very first class with you guys? And maybe they've gotten from another instructor or maybe they just had an idea from Hollywood or what have you.
1: I'd say the, uh, uh, one of the biggest mistakes is that uh, people don't really know why they're there uh we have to, I have to in, uh, introduce them to the subject, the whole uh, repertoire, uh, convince them that what they're going to learn is important. Uh, a lot of students want to, you know, uh, they sit down in the classroom and I start the lecture and uh, you know, say, well, when do we jump out of flaming helicopters and uh, when do we gun down the charging Mongolians and uh, all this uh, stuff. <laughs> Look, there's stuff a lot more important than that that we need to talk about and before you even get to the range. So I'd say, you know, unrealistic expectations are uh, uh, one big thing. This is a lifelong pursuit. There's a lot of things to know, and we have to start somewhere. Uh, Very little of what we do is glamorous uh, or entertaining uh, nor fun. It's just work. Uh, It's like any other uh, academic pursuit. You've got to come there and be prepared to learn. We only have, Uh, like,
0: Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't know you didn't know you're still going. I was gonna say we only have like three minutes and I, I wanted to maybe touch on some of the some of the gun control legislation you're hearing about. Biden's allegedly right. going to issue an executive order for background checks on ghost guns, which can't be enforced tomorrow. I mean, what What are your thoughts on the direction of the country and how that's happening?
1: Uh, it It's very disturbing. Uh, you know, and Americans are pretty good people. And uh, uh, we got along just fine without all this stuff. Uh. The, the stuff there, the, the types of regulations they're proposing, uh, of course, are uh, mostly unenforceable. And, uh, and they're going to be largely ignored. And I think that's exactly what they want. They want them to be un- They don't want them to be enforced. They don't want them to be obeyed. Uh, they're going to oppose this stuff. Uh, crime will not get any better. It will get worse. Uh, and, again, that's exactly what they want. Uh, you, know, you have to remember, uh, the more crime you have, the more government you need. Uh, they're looking for excuses to grow the government, and uh, a good way to do it is pass impossible laws and then have everybody ignore them, and, uh, and then crime actually gets worse. So I tell people, you know, you should have a good supply of ammunition. Uh, you know, the, the deal with that right now, we have a famine with ammunition, and uh, if you don't have a good supply right now, getting one is going to be an issue. And you, ha- you need to be armed. You need to be armed and trained. Uh, with pistols, uh, rifles, shotguns, all these, you know, weapons that uh, uh, can be affected depending on where you live and and what you do. And, uh, you know, we try our best to to be law-abiding, but uh, uh, I, I hear instructors now and then say, well, you have to know the law. Well, actually, that's nonsense. The law is unknowable. The law is so confusingly written that nobody can figure out what it means uh in law enforcement we can't figure out how they want it enforced. Uh and I am convinced that's exactly what they want. They uh, they want people They're to kinda, be confused and scared.
0: Yeah, and that kind of goes in with defunding police departments and stuff too. We got less than a minute, John Farm, it's been an honor talking to you. How can people reach out to you, learn more about you, maybe sign up for some of your classes?
1: Uh just uh have them go to our webpage. Uh it's defense-training.com, defense-training.com. You'll see everything there. You can call me if you want.
0: John Farnham, we appreciate it. Defense Training International, it's been an honor. We'll talk to you another time, man. Thank you so much. You All right, bet. folks. we got more coming up. ninety 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I will put this up as a podcast. We'll do the full interview with John so you can download it, listen to it a little bit later on as well. You can get the podcast at theburningtruth.us. Just go to the podcast section. Good afternoon, thank you for tuning in, News Talk 95.3, Michigan's news channel. Once again, I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson, also covering for Pat Miller today on News Talk 1190, whoa, whoa, 107.5 FM, and if you want the John Farnham interview, we'll put that up as a podcast along with the other podcasts. That should be up tonight, maybe tomorrow, at the Burning theburningtruth.us or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm on Spotify, I'm on Google, iTunes, everywhere. You can literally find me everywhere, so Make sure you, um, when, you, when you get my podcast and you subscribe to it, would you do me a favor, wherever you're getting it, would you just write an honest review of it? And by honest, I mean if you don't like it, keep your mouth shut. And if you do like it, well, just go ahead and, and pretend like you like it even more than you really do. So just that would be great. Helps me out quite a bit. All right, so let's talk about the executive order that kind of came through. A bunch of people on the live stream have been asking me about this today. Um, Biden is going to be issuing an executive order requiring background checks for so-called ghost guns. Now, ghost guns is, well, frankly, it's a stupid term made up by stupid people to talk about something they don't fully understand. You have always been allowed to manufacture your own firearms in your own house for your own personal use. Always. That has been the case in the United States of America since before we were actually a country. You can do it anytime anywhere as long as you can legally own a firearm you are allowed to make your own gun at home now you can't make one and give it to somebody else you can't make one and sell it to somebody else you got it you're gonna if it's gonna ever transfer there's you know stamps and serializing and everything else that has to kind of go along with it but you can make your own firearms for personal use okay so without getting into all the extra atf stuff and In the business of of selling firearms and that sort of thing. I don't want to get into all of that. But you, as an American citizen, who are legally allowed to own a firearm, can make your own gun at home. Did I mention that you should buy a 3D printer? Anyway, make your own gun at home. That's always been legal. Here's why this is starting to freak people out who are anti-gun. You used to have to have a lot of specialized tools. You were allowed to do it, but the tools were expensive it weren't real easy for people to learn. You could do it with hand tools, but it took a craftsmanship that a lot of people didn't have. And so, generally speaking, if you wanted to make your own gun at home, you had to have equipment and knowledge that most people didn't have time to develop. Well, in the modern modern era, you can learn how to make a gun in a couple of hours on YouTube. Doesn't take you much much effort, much time. Doesn't take uh, expensive tools anymore. It's fairly easy to do. You know, firearms are. For the most part, not overly complicated. Every country that has gun bans still has people who have firearms, whether it's a zip gun or, or whatever else. They always have firearms because you can make a firearm relatively easy out of anything. Doesn't mean it's going to be the most reliable. Doesn't mean it's going to be the most attractive, but you can still make them. And so oppressed people all over the world have firearms and not just you know the manufactured kind that they're getting on the black market. So, ghost guns are those guns that were made at home, that don't have serial numbers, that sort of thing. Um, this, this is a bunch of fear mongering. And somebody just asked me a question. Said, "Hey, Casey, when was the last time a ghost gun was used in a mass shooting?" Never. Not that I'm aware of. If it did happen, it would have been all over the news because that would have been the thing uh, to go ahead and go after all sorts of stuff. Oh, you want to have a a CNC machine at home? Yeah, not anymore. Oh, you want to have a 3d printer? Not anymore. So, and they're doing all sorts of things to try and rein in 3d printing and stuff like that. Um, but there's, you know, again, it's, and I'm, by the way, when I say a 3d printing gun, you need to understand there's a lot more involved than just buying a 3d printer and printing a plastic gun and being able to shoot it. It doesn't work that way. All right. Don't, don't be silly. But that's what they're trying to tell everybody. They're trying to tell everybody that it's so easy, even a child can do it. Not necessarily. It's it's not that simple. But what I find interesting about this is on Yahoo's. Usurper Biden will issue a number of executive orders on gun control on Thursday, according to Politico. In particular, Biden will direct the administration to require background checks for buyers of ghost guns or homemade guns that lack serial numbers. So can we sell them now? <laughs> this this is one of those executive orders that doesn't actually do anything, and make something that's already illegal illegal. You see what I'm saying? Doesn't make doesn't make any sense. But the average anti gun individual doesn't firearms know anything about firearm laws, so they're gonna. Yeah, you shouldn't, be able, you shouldn't be able to make a gun at home to sell it to somebody without a background check. Yeah, that's already illegal. Okay, If I firearm, I have the tooling, I have the capability. Most of you know I'm in manufacturing. If I wanted to, I can make firearms in my garage right now. If I wanted to. I don't, but if I wanted to, I could make them in my garage. I am not allowed to give them to anybody else. I'm not allowed to sell them to anybody else. They can't now all of a sudden be able to buy it just because the law requires a background check. Which, for the record, this isn't going to stand up in court. It's it's not going to. It's already illegal for me to give that gun to anybody, whether they can legally own the firearm or not. I don't have the right, the right credentials to manufacture and sell or distribute firearms. And if you are... A licensed firearm manufacturer you have to throw the serial numbers on it and it's not a ghost gun anymore this doesn't make any sense this is complete hogwash is what this is but here's here's how this looks will this actually change anything no because this law doesn't apply to anything currently in the marketplace at all period end of story but what it does do it's by, oh, I issued an executive order requiring background checks of these ghost guns, those darned evil guns that 10-year-olds are making at home on their 3D printers that are given to their kids at school. None of that is happening. None of that can happen. But they get to say that. And your average anti-gun idiot who doesn't know what they're talking about buys into it, they believe it, and they go, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God uh, 11-year-old Billy can't get a, a ghost gun from 10-year-old Jimmy Uh, Without doing a background check. Thank God. Oh my God. Thank God. It's already illegal. If you make a gun at home, you can't give it to somebody else. You can't sell it to somebody else. Therefore, having a background check for somebody to buy a ghost gun is irrelevant because it's illegal to buy a ghost gun. Get it? Doesn't make any sense. (laughs) But you watch... You watch the news media, you watch dumb, stupid politicians and celebrities and, and all sorts of people in your neighborhood and your relatives and your friends and some of you in the audience, you watch the reactions of people when this happens tomorrow. Oh, thank God. Finally, somebody is doing something about it. He's, he's, he's not doing anything. I mean, there's other executive orders out out there too. They'll all, they'll all be dragged into court. Every one of them. And they'll lose. It is unclear what other actions Biden is set to announce. The usurper may instate uh, regulations on so called assault weapons, which they still haven't defined, or implement restrictions on gun purchases for people convicted of domestic violence, which we already have. If you. All right. Generally speaking, anti gunners tend to be women and effeminate men. Generally speaking. Not always, but generally speaking so for you ladies since you can get away with it here's my advice to you um commit domestic abuse of your husband get convicted of it and then go try and buy a gun and tell me if this is needed good luck with that more coming up i'm kidding of course we all know that women wouldn't be convicted of domestic violence we already know that courts courts don't even acknowledge it as a real crime got more coming up 95.3 mnc and also filling in for pat miller on new stock 1190 Whoa, whoa, 107.5 FM. And one of the reasons that I'm always reminding you that politicians do things that don't do anything, but give them something to campaign on, and that's a prime example of what the executive order on requiring a background check to buy a ghost gun would be because it's already illegal to buy a ghost gun, so why would you need a background check to buy something that's against the law to buy? Because <laughs> he gets to politic off of it. That's why. And the uneducated masses will easily be fooled by it because, well, they don't know any better. Uh, this brings me to, I want to credit the live stream for this. They mentioned yeah. that this came out today. The DC Medical Examiner has revealed the causes of capital insurrection deaths. And Forbes Magazine, I would like to just correct your title. Jemima McAvoy. And Jemima is a really pasty white girl. Uh, so I find this to be horrendously offensive that this pasty white girl can be called Jemima, but it was not an insurrection. There's this thing called dictionary. Now, I realize that they tried to change the definition of insurrection after what happened in the Capitol, but it's not, by definition, an insurrection. Stop using stupid words to go ahead and manipulate people's minds for language. So the medical examiner's office finally, after all of these months, finally re- released the cause of death for four civilians. They left Officer Brian Sicknick out of it because they still want people to run around and say that Officer Sicknick was, um, you know, beat to death with a, a fire extinguisher, which, of course, did not happen and was fake news. Although video did get released here uh, this week that seemed to indicate, uh, it, it. I believe it showed him getting pepper sprayed. I think it was what it was. So Ashley Babbitt, this is the Air Force veteran from San Diego. She was 35 years old. He was shot by the officer at the Capitol, uh, died of a gunshot wound to her shoulder, according to the ruling, and they ruled it a homicide. Now, ruling it a homicide doesn't mean that it was not a justified shooting, all right? I have I have some questions about it, but I've also spoken with some law enforcement people on what was on the other side of that door That hasn't necessarily been known by the public, and why deadly force might have been used, even though she was unarmed. Okay, Uh, medical examiner's office deemed Babbitt's death a homicide, meaning that it was the result of intentional harm of one person by another. Not that it was wrong or unjustified. Okay, so we have to keep that in perspective. Just because you say it's a homicide doesn't mean automatically that means her death was illegal. That's not what it means. It means somebody intended to kill her, and that's what happened. All right, so what else do we have here? 34-year-old Roseanne Boylan died as a result of a drug overdose, listing her death as accidental and the cause as acute amphetamine intoxication. It was believed that maybe she was trampled to death. So, nope, she died from an overdose, just like George Floyd did. Uh, what else do we have here? The other two civilians that died that day were killed by disease as opposed to injuries incurred during the riot. The medical examiner said uh, listing the death of 50-year-old Benjamin Phillips of Pennsylvania and 55-year-old Kevin Greason of Alabama as hypertensive athero- atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. Basically, it's heart failure is, is what it was. A lawyer for Greason previously clarified that he had died of a heart attack, while Phillips died of a stroke, according to the Philadelphia Inquirer. Um, but they did not again go into Officer Sicknick, and they said so there's still some questions about Officer Sicknick and, and the cause of death there and everything else. So this came out today, and we've got more clarity on some of the stuff. Really, really, there's only one surprise out of this, and that is that there was a drug overdose with the 34-year-old woman. As opposed to her being trampled to death, which was what the initial reports were that she got trans as they were going in there. Um, and I just want to take this opportunity to remind everybody listening to this. And I'm not absolving any of the Trump supporters who participated in what happened at the Capitol on the 6th. But I would also like to take this opportunity to remind the news media and anybody else out there that. There were a lot of anti-Trump activists. There were BLM activists. There were Antifa activists who recorded and instigated the riot at the Capitol. Does not absolve everybody who went along with it, who were Trump supporters. But if the media were doing their job, they would also highlight that anti-Trump forces, these bird doggers, were also there trying to foment violence and trying to foment anarchy. And they were successful in doing so. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my website, again, theburningtruth.us. You can get to all my social media there. You can watch the live stream at trovo.live slash host. And we've got more coming up on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Also covering for Pat Miller today on Newstalk 1190. Whoa, 107.5 FM. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Again, covering for Pat Miller today on Newstalk 1190. Whoa, 107.5 FM. Feel like we've gone a little heavy today. We've had a good time. I feel like we've gone a little heavy, so I want to do something a little bit lighter You know, as we start wrapping up the show, heading into Bill O'Reilly. So just a lighter side of things. A 41-year-old California man died after choking during a taco-eating contest. Now, he did this at a Fresno Grizzlies game. Now, I know some of you are instantly going to get a little butthurt about me saying that. Casey, that's not lighthearted. Well, Hear me out. Just... Hold on a second, okay? The family of this guy is now suing the baseball team. They're suing the baseball team because their relative joined a taco eating contest and choked on a taco. Right. Uh, Many years ago, radio used to have these contests, eating contests like giant sub sandwiches and things like that. You know what? They were glorious. They were fun. They were awesome. They were amazing. Everybody had a blast. And then somebody died. And now the entire radio industry has basically boycotted this type of promotion, which is really sad because they were great. So we don't do those anymore. And they were really good fundraisers for charities and things like that, too. But can't do it anymore because one person had some reaction to something and and died. And as a result of them pushing themselves too much or whatever, everybody else has to suffer. So this 41-year-old guy from California died after choking during a taco-eating contest at a Fresno Grizzlies game. According to the Fresno Bee, the lawsuit against Fresno Sports and Events, the owners of the Fresno Grizzlies, Claim that they neglected to make Hutchings aware of the risks of participating in the competition. And that is how a man choking to death on a taco becomes comical. See? You didn't you didn't have faith in me, but we we got there. Alright, so let's let's just go through the uh the lack of logic here from the family. And and for the record, I mean when people somebody dies, like the family is not this happened in 2019, though. So they've had enough time to grieve, but when, when somebody dies, their loved ones are no longer logical beings. They're in a period of mourning. They have insane thoughts. The whole process of, of going through problem solving is completely eradicated. They're just in pain. All right, And that is something that has to be acknowledged and understood. But also, you cannot just give in to them because they're suffering. This is what they do. Anytime there's a a tragic event in our society, they stand on the graves of the dead in order to change policy and advance a political agenda. It's horrendously immoral, but they do it all the time. So you can't allow people to continue to do that. They're arguing that their relative, a 41-year-old man, did not understand that entering a taco eating contest could cause him to die. I think a 41-year-old man, maybe not a 41-year-old man from California, because let's be honest, they're a lower subspecies of of our our whole, well, species. Didn't want to say species, but eh, had to get redundant. If you're 41 years old, you understand that you are taking a risk every time you chew anything. Which is why you chew into small bites, right? Now, oh, it's a contest. He can't have small bites, Casey. Well, then, you know, you run the risk of choking. And that's exactly what happened. The Fresno Bee reported Hutchins had not participated in any amateur eating contests in the past and choked just minutes after the contest began. I mean, that sucks. I think it really sucks for his loved ones that, you know, they lost a relative over something, frankly, so silly. So his 18-year-old son filed the lawsuit Monday. Even though this happened in 2019, they just filed the lawsuit, and they're being represented uh, by attorneys Martin to Taliesnik, and they're arguing on behalf of the family that the eating contest organizers did not make participants aware of the training and care. Professional eating contest participants must go through in preparation. Yeah, but the typical training that professional eaters go through doesn't have anything to do with being able to chew and swallow. It usually has to do with expanding their gut, the ability to store more food there um, and, and make the elasticity of their guts more than the average person. That's what the training is, not to being able to chew and swallow without choking to death. See, I told you, somebody choking to death can be a little comical. More coming up, 95.3 MNC. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. All right, more in the steaming pile of garbage that is hypocrisy. Tampa Bay Buccaneers player Carlton Davis has now had to apologize after he tweeted an anti-Asian slur. This would be the G word. You all know what it is. I don't need to say it. You know what it is. So he tweeted out the G word. Now, keep in mind, we're in the midst of media talking about these attacks on Asian people, which for the record are not coming from whites. They are predominantly coming from the black community, which is overwhelmingly the top category of, of people who attack Asians and hate crimes. Uh, it's the black community predominantly, like not even close to any other group. And there's been several um, black assailants who have committed hate crimes against Asians over the past couple of weeks. So, you got an NFL player, black man. NFL player goes out there and says, it is time to stop letting in G words. Huh. So, then he apologized. Says he'll remove that word from his vocabulary. Uh, Then he gave this lame lame excuse. I would never offend any group of people. You reporters can look for another story to blow up. Yeah, no. He also... um, He's a part of the social justice board for the team. Remember, social justice doesn't include anybody who can be categorized as white. Now we're categorizing um, Latinos and Asians as white. We've been over that many times. And the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, did they suspend him? Did they fine him? Did they do any of that? No. They're just in communications with him. That's it. you imagine if... A white player, even their star quarterback, what's his name again? Yeah, Tom Brady. Even even if he had said the G word to insult Asians, he would have been sacked from that team so fast, his career completely ruined, ostracized forever, and probably rightfully so for throwing a slur towards the entire Asian population in the midst of anti-Asian sentiment in, in the country, which the media is blowing up. Hmm exactly there's no double standards ladies and gentlemen hey by the way it's been a lot of fun check me out online theburningtruth.us and again uh, this is casey Anderson for 95.3 mnc bill o'reilly's coming up have a great night